Shepherd's Day. He has made it. He has made it for you and for I. Let us rejoice today and be glad in it. Amen. We are here to receive of the Lord and to give to the Lord. Thanksgiving, worship, and praise unto Him. Amen. Let's go to Him this morning in prayer. Can we, Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for Your so great salvation. I am so thankful this morning for an opportunity to enter into Your presence, to gather together with Your people, lifting up Your name, worshiping and praising our Creator, receiving of You all that You have in store for us today, Your good things. Help us, Lord Jesus, to enter into Your presence as one body, to bind together this morning, to pray for one another as we enter into the presence of Almighty God. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that Your perfect will, all Your heart, would be manifest in our service here today that this would be Your service. That all things would transpire according to Your perfect will. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would move hearts, that You would speak to individuals, to families, that You would heal, that You would bless, that You would save, that You would restore, that You would provide whatever the need is today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, above all else, that Your name would be glorified in our midst here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Before we get started, just one quick announcement. Uh, do remember this Saturday uh, is our annual business meeting. Uh, that's going to be here at the church at 9 o'clock. Amen. If you are a voting member, please come. Be prompt. We will start promptly at 9 a.m. Uh, please come. Amen. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20 is where we're going to find our scripture text for the lesson today. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20 says this, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. I can't help but uh, share with you this morning at the risk of sounding more spiritual than I am. Uh, thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> there is in this place a desperate need for healing. There is in this place... Uh, there are people going through situations people afraid people in doubt some situations happened so long ago you don't even remember why you don't even remember the only reason i know this is because past few days, that's all I could think about. And it, it's weighing me down. And I have to imagine that because I'm not aware of any specific situation that this is from God, that God is concerned. That God wants to provide healing. 
we're going to go through the lesson, uh, but uh, I'm going to trust that the Lord will lead and direct as necessary to do that today. He delights in you, folks. He delights in you. His thoughts toward you are innumerable. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He also knows why. Amen. As a review from last week, Sanctification and consecration are necessary if we are to obtain the promise of God. We've got to dedicate ourselves to God's plan and make His work our priority, our focus. We've got to purpose in our hearts to complete submission and obedience to God. Will we get off the fence, in other words, and make a choice, make a decision? Who are we going to serve with our lives? Are we going to serve ourselves? Are we going to serve the world? Are we going to serve our own purposes? Or are we going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? We've got to boldly declare the promises that God has given us. His covenant promises. If we are in a covenant relationship with Him, then we can declare these boldly. We can stand upon them confidently because it's the Lord our God that gave them. We didn't beg Him and ask Him and and negotiate these things in our contract. He just provided them as part of the covenant He established with us. So we can stand on them confidently. We can declare them boldly in every circumstance and situation we face. We learn that casual affirmation of God's presence never leads us out of the mediocrity of just wandering. Just acknowledging that God exists, just acknowledging He has a plan for my life isn't enough. I've got to start pursuing that. I've got to start walking as if I believe that. Making choices that move me forward in that. I've got to decide to trust and obey Him. And my actions need to line up with what I'm saying. And that trust, that's, that's the key, folks. If I don't trust God, I'm not going to do what He says. If I agree with Him, I'll do what He says. But that's not really obedience, is it? That's doing what I was going to do anyway. Obedience is when I don't agree. Submission to authority is when I don't agree with my authority and I do it anyway. That's necessary if I'm going to move forward in the plan, the will of God. That plan, that will that He has for my life is the safest, most satisfying place for us to be. That's the best place for us to be. Amen. Daily devotionals. I hope you're going through those. Day one. Talked about a prescribed burn. You set a controlled fire in in a certain ecosystem, burn off the underbrush and all the old growth, and it makes way for the new. God has prescribed burns in our lives from time to time that removes what doesn't belong and helps us to become holy. That process isn't always easy, but it is absolutely necessary if we are to become whole and complete in Him, Christ-like, and obtain heaven. 
They too, God is our lion leader, going before us, clearing the obstacles in our paths, keeping us from go- keeping us going in the right direction. God always goes before us. He always stands beside us. He always protects us from the rear. And He always leads from the front. Amen. Day three, when we look back on our lives, we can see the unmistakable hand and presence of God in our tests and trials, leading us through every one of them. I think if we were all honest with ourselves, the most difficult circumstances we face in our lives as Christians, we can see the hand of God working in there very powerfully, very easily. However, when it was present with us, when we were in the middle of it, oftentimes it's a little bit more difficult to see the hand of God. But He is most assuredly working in that situation. When we look ahead to the future, we are assured that God put, uh, that the God we've put our faith and trust in is faithful and He will never fail us. He is ever and altogether faithful. Therefore, God who knows the end from the beginning has our triumphs in place before we even thought about a battle. I think that's amazing. He's already got the victory planned even before we know that there's going to be a battle. Like the children of Israel building a memorial to God's greatness in Jordan, we must remember God's faithfulness in our lives. We build that memorial of God's goodness and faithfulness. And the next time we face a circumstance or situation, we can look back. This is what God did for me in the past. God helped me uh, defeat the lion. And He helped me defeat the bear. He's going to help me in this situation too. Amen. Day 5, God will act in your life, but in unpredictable and strange ways. And God is not bound to do the same thing twice. The answer He gave you in the past is not necessarily the same answer you will receive in the future. But God is not limited by our imaginations. He's not limited by what we think is possible or impossible. He can do literally anything He needs or wants to do in our lives. Praise God. Amen. In A.D. 1368, Zhu Yuanzhang founded the Ming Dynasty in China. Within 100 years, construction commenced on what would become known as the Great Wall of China. For the next three centuries, the wall expanded to 13,000 miles, including more than 25,000 towers, each protected by a permanent garrison. What was this wall's main purpose? It was built to prevent a large-scale Mongolian invasion. The Great Wall of China is a grand example of the numerous walls that have been constructed throughout human history. The first massive wall-building project was thanks to the Roman Empire. The Romans developed sophisticated engineering techniques, allowing many of their structures to remain largely intact. Some of them may even last beyond the 21st century. Imagine that. Technology's 2,000-some-odd years old, and they're still, they're still just fine today. <clears throat> At first, the Romans built the walls primarily for defense. Those walls protected the city for centuries, allowing its inhabitants to huddle behind them during invasions and hostile occupation. In 216 B.C., the Carthaginian commander Hannibal, if you're a fan of history, by the way, he is an amazing individual. You should take a look at him. Absolutely fascinating. Any case, was turned away from an attack on the city of Rome after he destroyed the Roman army at Cannae. The large imposing walls proved too much for him and his army to overcome. 
Not all walls are defensive in nature. I don't like hearing that because I'm kind of partial to Hannibal. Anyway, that's why I'm chuckling to myself. Some are designed to keep people in. Case in point was the infamous Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall separated East Germany and West Germany for nearly three decades. It became a symbol of the Iron Curtain that separated Western Europe and the Eastern Bloc during the Cold War. Some of you don't even remember the Cold War. That's fascinating. <coughs> ultimately a barrier to progress. It was ultimately a barrier to progress and the unification of a nation. At a critical point during the Cold War, then-President Ronald Reagan uttered these words that have echoed throughout the following decades. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Over the next few years, the shockwave of Reagan's words reverberated, became a rallying cry, and the wall indeed did fall. Its fall ultimately led to German reunification on October 3, 1990. As important as walls can be, history has shown some walls simply need to fall. Often all it takes is for someone courageous enough to make some noise. Amen. Our lesson today will be uh, Jericho. We're going to take a look at Jericho. We know from past lessons, uh, past sermons in our lives, that the children of Israel were promised the land of Canaan. It was promised to Abraham a very long time ago, 430 some odd years ago, plus 40 years. In any case, a long time. They're finally at the precipice to receive it. <clears throat> the previous generation said, no, this isn't going to work. They were unable or unwilling to trust God for the promise. And so because of that, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until they dropped dead. The previous generation was gone. The next generation had risen up in their stead. And they were presented with the same exact choice. Trust God or no. They decided, we're going to trust God this time. <clears throat> and they did. They crossed Jordan and they come face-to-face -face with this first city, Jericho. While they were considering Jericho, God gave Joshua a rather unconventional battle plan. We find here two key principles of advancement into God's promises. The first is, there are always battles along the journey into the promise. Very rarely does God simply give a promise and we sit back and wait for it to happen. We do see a few examples of that in Scripture. But for the most part, folks, God gives you a promise. It's not going to just happen. We've got to start making steps toward that promise. And those steps are going to involve battle. Those steps are going to involve hard choices, discipline, things that we're not going to enjoy necessarily. But if we want the promise of God, there are things that are necessary to obtain that promise. Just like the children of Israel 40 years prior. They had a choice. The land was promised to them. Can't we just receive it? Can't you just give it to us? That wasn't the plan of God. It was promised to them. But like most things in our Christian walk, we have some responsibilities as well. God doesn't just take us to heaven whether we want to go or not. 
The once saved, always saved doctrine is appealing sometimes, but utterly false. If I'm going to be saved, listen carefully, I cannot save myself. I need a Savior. Thank God Jesus Christ suffered on a cross and died in my place. But now that that option is presented to me, I have to make a choice with that. Just because Jesus died on a cross doesn't mean I'm automatically going to heaven. I've got to decide for myself. I want to incorporate His death, burial, and resurrection into my life. I want Him to be the substitutionary sacrifice. I want Him to pay for my sins. Well, there's a way to do that. Acts 2.38 Sign on the covenant dotted line. If I do that, I'm saved. If I continue in that, I stay saved. But at any time, folks, I can make a wrong choice. I can decide to walk away from this covenant. Break covenant with God. Walk away from the One who saved me. And if I die in that state, I'm not going to make it. I don't care what I did in the past. I don't care what I sacrificed for the kingdom of God. All of that is irrelevant concerning my salvation. So there's always battles along the journey into, into the promise that God has given us. Romans 1.17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In other words, a faithful person is going to be led from one situation to another that's going to require faithful obedience to God in His righteous ways. Amen. From time to time, God's going to give me an option. He's going to give me a choice. He's going to test me from time to time. Is it alright if God does that for us? Absolutely it is. If He's still sovereign, if He still has all authority, then it's alright for Him to do this. Does He know how we're going to respond? Is this test given so He knows where we're at? No. He knows where I'm at. But I need to know where I'm at. I need, a, I need a chance to demonstrate my faithfulness and my obedience to God. Why was that one commandment given to Adam and Eve? That's always a big question people have. Well, God knew they were going to fail. Why did He do that to them? Because they needed a choice. Free will is, is completely irrelevant if we don't have the ability to choose. If I have the ability to choose, but God always makes the choice for me, you're coming whether you want to or not. Well, that's not free choice either. He lets us choose. And every opportunity that God gives us is another opportunity to demonstrate to God, I love Him. I'm obedient and I'm faithful to Him. I want to serve Him with my life. I want to move forward with you. Even if that choice is difficult. Even if that choice means that I've got to sacrifice something. The second point we, we find here is God's methods and paths are usually different from our preferences. Someone said one time, if you want to make God laugh, just tell Him your plans. Amen. 
Bishop was talking to me just a little bit ago. How he wanted to stay in Germany, stay in Europe. God had other plans for him. They were going to go to Okinawa and stay there for 16 years. Wow. Not, not, in, his, not in his vision, not in his plans. God, God's plans will require great faith and unmistakably prove God was always in control. Folks, this is the best way for a situation to pan out for us. It is completely out of our control. God just takes it and runs with it. Does crazy, weird, strange things. But at the end of it, everything is just where it needs to be. Everything is perfect. And you know, you absolutely know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that was God. That was absolutely God because there is no way I would have ever thought to do that. I couldn't do it if I did think of it. What an awesome, what an awesome situation that turned out to be. God just took care of it. Amen. As Christians, we've got to make the choice to choose to obey God even when we don't understand God's plan. God tells us to do something. And we have no idea why He's telling us to do that. God tells us to stop doing something. We have no idea why we need to stop doing that. It's not wrong. It's not unbiblical. Nothing in the Scriptures say anything about this. Why do I need to stop doing that? A variety of life promises are buried on many Christians' walks of life. These lifeless promises are casualties of doubt. People doubted and hesitated to obey God's plan. Many followers of Jesus live frustrated and unfulfilled because they have never learned to fully trust and fully obey. They're often looking for loopholes to submission. Excuses abound for why they cannot submit. It's too costly, too hard, too unreasonable. And they question, hath God really said? Folks, we get into a spot like that. And I know we're all guilty of it. I've done it. In moments of frustration, maybe fear, doubt. Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to go here? And then the excuses. I'm not qualified to do that. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the personality. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Whatever it might be. We got a thousand just like this. The human brain is fascinating. It can reason. It can find a reason for anything you want to do. It can find a reason to stop doing anything you want to stop doing. Why do we question God? If we know it's God, why do we question that? It's a problem of submission. Yeah, it's a problem of obedience. I don't want to do that. And I'm going to find a reason why I don't have to do that. I'm going to find an out. I'm going to find that loophole. It's also a lack of perspective proper perspective. In moments of clarity, spiritual clarity, I understand that if I'll simply obey the commandment of God, it's going to lead me to great things. It's going to lead me to a great place. 
I don't know exactly what that place will be, but I know it's going to be better than here. Because that's how God operates in my life. He's going to lead me to somewhere better. Somewhere closer to Him. But I can't see that in the moment. All I can see is the cost. All I can see is uh, the sacrifices I'm going to have to make. No one likes to get out of their comfort zone. No one. And everyone has one. I don't care how much they scream and shout to get out of a comfort zone. They have one too. We all need to get out of our comfort zone from time to time. As an aside, I've discovered not everyone, but certainly sometimes when when someone says, we need to get out of our comfort zone, what they're really saying is, you need to get out of your comfort zone and come on into my comfort zone. Sometimes that's what people are saying. And fair enough. But we all need to get out of our comfort zone. Absolutely true. And when God asks us to do that, He knows what your comfort zone is. He knows why you're in that comfort zone. And He's asking you to get out. So we can proceed confidently. We don't have to be nervous. We don't have to be afraid. I know it's... It's somewhere we've never been before. I understand that. I think it was John F. Kennedy says, if you do the thing you fear, the death of fear is certain. Someone said that. Anyway. If you're afraid of it, just do it. Eventually you won't be afraid of it anymore. Of course, you've got to overcome that initial fear. In the lesson book, this was, this was included, and I've made mention of this before, so I thought I'd throw it in again. We love to sing worship songs to God, but sometimes we sing those songs dishonestly. I surrender all. But do we? We sing it. We say the words. But do we really surrender all? Everything? All of it? Maybe I'll just sing, I surrender some. I surrender most. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. Do we mean that? What if He leads me somewhere I don't want to go? I mean, that's, that's putting a lot of power in His hands. I mean, I want to go where he's, he's leading me. Until we really purpose in our heart to live what we say and sing, we are destined to experience far less of the kingdom promises in God's Word. What we say needs to line up with what we do. They both need to line up with who we are. But the promises are worth the struggle. Influence with God and man is worth the struggle to maintain our integrity. Battling to stay pure in an impure world is worth seeing and experiencing God's fullness. So let's decide today to surrender all to Jesus and to follow Jesus wherever He may lead. Surrender and follow Jesus even when it doesn't seem profitable for your business dealings. Surrender and follow Jesus when when you're dating and even in your marriage and commit to remain pure and to remain faithful. 
Surrender and follow Jesus even when someone wounds you and you want justice. But you choose to forgive and love them instead. Complete obedience, even when we don't understand, brings the fullness of God's promise to direct our paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a familiar passage to most. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Amen. We don't need to understand to obey. And that's a struggle a lot of us have. I like to understand. I like to go all the way down. I want to understand the foundation. Where did this come from? How did it build up to where we're at today? I want the whole picture. And I get frustrated sometimes. Because I don't always have the whole picture. But I have learned. I have learned that I don't need the whole picture. I don't need it. Sometimes, quite frankly, I just need to mind my station. Is it alright to say that? God's got the big picture. He doesn't need to share that with me if He doesn't feel He needs to. All I need to do is do what He says. That's it. My station doesn't give me purview to some of that information sometimes. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay. The Israelites, they followed God's plan to the letter. God's plan was very specific. And it was very clear. March around the walls of Jericho one time per day for six days. Seven additional priests were to walk before the ark blowing seven ram's horns while the rest of the people remained utterly silent. Not a word. What if they stubbed their toe? What if they were reaching for some water and and fumbled and spilled some water on the guy next to them? Surely God would understand that. Excuses. The command was very clear. Don't utter a word. Silence. He didn't give any exceptions to that. All right. On the seventh day, they were to encompass the city seven times. On the seventh time, the people were supposed to shout as the people, as the priests blew the ram's horns. So, so the question that, that comes to most people's mind when they read this is, why? Why the weirdness? Why the theatrics? Why involve the people at all? They really didn't do anything. God just pushed the walls over anyway. Why not just push the walls over and get it over with? Why all the, why all the strangeness? Here's a better question. Why do we so easily and so readily question God? God wants to do something awesome in our lives. But before that, before He does that awesome thing, we go through a hard situation. We go through a battle. We go through a test. And automatically, our mind starts racing. Why? Why this? Why now? Why her? Why him? Why me? Why, 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 why? 
Why do we so easily go there? God has demonstrated time and time and time and time again His absolute faithfulness to us. Every promise He gives us, He fulfills in our lives. Every single one. At least for me. I can't speak for you. I can trust. That's what the Word of God says. But for me, I can tell you absolutely sure. Every single promise has been fulfilled. Every one of them. Every time I stand on a promise, He answers. So I should be able to confidently confidently walk into a situation knowing full well that He's going to remain faithful. He's going to do it again. But we don't. We go into a new situation and we're afraid again. We start doubting again. We start questioning again. The children of Israel this time did what they were told to do without murmuring, without complaining, without question. And God wrought a great victory. What if they would have done something different? They found out 40 years ago what would have happened if they did something different. The commandment of God is the commandment of God. It can be weird. It can be strange. It can be... I have no idea what this is even about. Who cares? Nobody cares what you think. Nobody cares what I think. I hope. We care what God thinks. We care what the commandment of God is. And it doesn't need to make sense. We just need to obey it. And when we do, when we trust that this is... This is what God wants for whatever reason. This is what God wants me to do. When we trust Him and just move forward in that, God does awesome things in our lives. He really does. But when we start trying to modify and line item veto and negotiate, that's when things start to unravel, folks. It's all or nothing. You obey or you disobey. If you're guilty in one point of the law, you're guilty in all the law. Obedience to God is a simple yes or no. It's not like King Saul. I fulfilled the commandment of the Lord. Yeah, did you though? All of it? Why do I hear sheep bleeding? Why is the king still alive? Well, he had a good reason. He had a good excuse. How'd that work out for him? It didn't. He fulfilled most of it, but he was still disobedient. He did not obey the commandment of the Lord. And in our lives, we can fulfill 99.999% of it and still be completely disobedient to God. It's all or nothing. It's yes or no. Ones and zeros. That's it. The children of Israel learned that lesson. They did everything perfectly. Without murmuring, without question, God wrought a great victory. When we do the same in our lives, God will, He will work out great victories in our lives. He will fulfill every promise. But we've got to remain consistently submitted to Him and obedient to His Word. When we do that, I know that's, that's hard for some people to accept. I hope no one here 
Obedience to God is a good thing. It's healthy. It's right. That's what we were created for. We're just fulfilling our purpose. Worshiping and obeying God. Serving Him. When we do that, we have the very best life possible. When we modify that in any way, our lives are going to unravel at some point. They will. Maybe not immediately. Maybe not for years. But it will. We need to obey God. We need to stay submitted to Him. And why? Because we trust Him. Because we love Him. He has demonstrated to us time and time again His complete faithfulness. Folks, He puts you first all the time. He puts you first. Everything He does is for you. If He puts you in a hard situation, there's a reason for it. It's not because God's angry. It's not because God's disappointed or frustrated. He's putting you in that situation for a reason. We're going to talk about that in the second message. God gave Israel total victory over Jericho because of obedience. They did what the previous generation would not. Exact same promise. Exact same. Completely different result. What was the difference? One disobeyed, one obeyed. Why did one disobey? Lack of faith, lack of obedience, lack of trust. The other obeyed because they trusted. They were faithful and they were obedient. That faithful obedience, by the way, took the form of action. Not just words. They did something. Our faith will always be demonstrated by what we do. Always. You can tell me what you say you believe, but I'll watch you. That will tell me what you believe. When God's children will trust Him enough to obey Him fully, He will do the miraculous. Walls that seem insurmountable can be leveled. Barricades blocking spiritual progress can be removed. Addictions and habits that have bound and sentenced God's children to be wilderness wanderers for years can lose their grip. Demonic oppression and possession must disappear when a heart is fully submitted to God. James 4, 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Amen. What's the first commandment in that verse? Submit. If we don't submit ourselves, therefore, to God, the rest is a moot point. If we are not submitted to God, if we're not submitted to the authority of God in our lives, we can't expect any of this to, to come true for us. We can't expect the fulfillment. But when we do submit ourselves to God, everything opens up. Every promise. Whatever is hindering us from moving forward in God's promises must be removed out of our path when we submit ourselves completely to God and obey Him. Amen. We're talking about faith 
today. Faith in God. Our faith needs to be in God. Our faith will not be in God if we don't trust Him. We won't trust Him if we don't have a relationship with Him. If we don't know who He is. We've got to develop a relationship with Him. The more I know Him, the more I love Him, the more I trust Him. The farther along I walk with Him, the more I trust Him. I need that relationship. I'm not going to trust anyone I don't know. I'm certainly not going to place my eternal salvation into someone that I have no I don't I don't know anything about you. Once upon a time, a peasant farmer owned an ox. The ox was valuable to him and key to his farm's success. On a fateful day, the ox fell into an empty old well whose water had dried up. The ox began moaning distressed cries for help. Responding to the ox's plaintive cries, the peasant discovered the helpless ox and tried to rescue it. He attempted hoisting the ox with ropes and chains, but the beast's size and weight were too much. He lowered a ladder, thinking the ox could climb out, but the ox could not navigate the rungs of the ladder. guess it was worth a shot. <laughs> his many attempts to aid his farm friend were futile. Finally, with great sorrow, he gave up on the ox. He decided to mercifully put the ox out of its misery. He purposed to bury the ox by shoveling dirt into the well. As the farmer regrettably heaved each pile of dirt into the well, the ox demonstrated his will to survive. As each lump of earth landed on its back, the ox defiantly shook it off. With the debris that was meant to bury the ox now under its feet, the ox began to climb up, pile by pile, step by step. As the ox began to rise higher, the peasant farmer noticed the ox's determination. He feverishly continued to pile more and more dirt into the well. It was a messy endeavor that left both of them in need of a good bath, but eventually the ox was able to rise up and climb out. What was used as an attempt to bury it, the ox transformed into a pathway to an improbable way of escape. Amen. And the difference, folks, getting ahead of myself. When we look at circumstances in our lives, how we view those things is simply a matter of perspective. These evil things that befall me, these hard situations that I keep finding myself in, How I view that situation is going to determine, well, how I view that situation is, is really a determination of where I am spiritually. Can I view this through God's eyes? Can I view this with an eternal mindset? Or am I stuck in the temporal? Am I stuck in the here and now? Because if I view those things from the eternal, I'm going to see that these things are for my benefit. These things benefit me. They're taking things out that, frankly, need to come out. And allow God to put different things in that most certainly need to be in there. Now, conversely, when I look at situations where I would say, God is blessing me. I'm at ease in Zion. Things are going great. 
plenty of money in the bank, promotion at work, kids love me, my wife loves me, I can't do any wrong. Everything's great. Yeah, but is it though? Maybe it is. Or maybe it's not. Again, if I look at this with an eternal mindset, maybe this is leading me somewhere I don't need to go. Easy example, you got a promotion at work, making a lot more money. Fantastic. The Lord's blessing you. Congratulations. Yeah, but now I'm going to have to travel a lot. I'm going to be missing church a lot. I'm going to be away from my family a lot. But I'm making a lot more money. I can pay more tithes and offerings. I can give more to missions, etc., etc. That's the justification. But is that where I want to go with my life? I can't answer that. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it is. Maybe that's where the Lord is leading you. But me looking at that situation, I'm saying no. That's not where someone wants to go. Taking them out of church, taking them away from their family, I don't think that's the will of God. But God's blessing me. I don't think that's God blessing you. I really don't. I think that's God testing you. I think that's God putting you in a place where you're going to need to make a hard choice. Again, just off the top of my head looking at that. So when we find ourselves with a promise, and then immediately after, a battle, we need to expect the battle first of all. If the promise is worth anything, it's not going to come easy. Anything that's worth anything is not going to come easy. Are we willing to fight for that promise? Are we willing to do what's necessary to obtain that promise? Well, what's going to be necessary? Nothing real difficult. It's an easy path to success. Obedience, submission. That's it. That's very difficult. That can be very costly. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ may cost me things that I didn't want to pay, that I didn't want to give up. And here's the kicker. I may never get those back. They may never even be replaced. Not fair. He didn't have to do that. She didn't have to do that. Why do I have to do that? I don't know why you have to do that. But you have to. Do it or don't. But if you don't, you're going to regret it. If you do, God will bless you. Stop looking at what I'm having to lose, give up, 
Stop looking at the time that I have to spend doing this, that, and the other. Stop looking at the extra money I have to spend to do this, that, and the other to serve God. Stop looking at those things. Start looking at the promise. Start looking at the end result of that. Where am I going with this? Where is God leading me with this? That's what I need to focus on. All my money is going to be gone sometime anyway. Lord tarries, I get planted, it's all gone. I don't have access to any of it anymore. All my stuff, that's gone now too. I don't have access to any of it when I'm in the ground. I don't. It's gone. So if God asks me to give something, do something, get out of my comfort zone, do something crazy, something weird, I just need to do it, folks. Because obedience and submission to God's authority is the best place for me to be. It's the safest place for me to be. Amen. In the children of Israel's uh, life here, they learned that lesson well. I mean, when you go on, when you compare the wanderings of that first generation compared to uh, the generation that entered into Canaan all the way through the book of Joshua, it's day and night difference, folks. Literally, day and night difference. The children of Israel, from the time they came out of Egypt to the time they hit the river Jordan, constantly murmuring and complaining every single chance they got. I think they were looking for a new chance to, to find something to complain about. That's all they did. And then God would do a miracle, and they'd be excited for a little bit. Worship God. God's great. This is awesome. The very next day, something could happen, and they'd be right back, murmuring, complaining. Would to God that we were back in Egypt. Let us out into the wilderness to die. Because you're a little thirsty? God's trying to kill you? If God's trying to kill you, think about that for a moment. He doesn't need to try to do anything. He just sucked the breath out of you and you're gone. <clears throat> but the next generation were all together faithful. Whatever God tells you to do, Joshua, that's what we're going to do. And they did. They followed through with it. When the uh, what was it, Ephraim, the half tribe of Manasseh, we're going to stay on this side, Jordan. Their inheritance was over here. <clears throat> they were very ready to cross over with their brethren armed for battle. Now, I think if they had the spirit of the previous generation, they would have just found a reason to stay over here. We don't have any inheritance over there. Our inheritance is here. We've already got it. Good luck. They didn't do that. They marched over armed for war with their brethren. And only... Only when everything was said and done, everything was taken care of, and Joshua dismissed them, that's when they went back to their families, to their inheritance. 
Not before. They had an entirely different spirit. And they took the entire land. They took it. Not all of it, but... A couple times they were disobedient. Achan. And they made a covenant. I can't remember the tribe. But they made a covenant with someone. They were told not to make a covenant with anyone of this land. They suffered a little bit for those things. But they were fully, wholly, completely obedient to the will and plan of God. And they received the promise. They received the promise because of their obedience. In our lives, folks, and we're closing. In our lives, we have got to be obedient to the commandment of God. I can't repeat it enough. I can't stress it enough. We have problems with that. We have difficulties with that because I'm a rugged individualist and, and I'm, a, I'm a citizen of the United States and, and I have my rights. <clears throat> Those of you that have been in the military understand that when you sign on the dotted line, you have no rights. Your property. When we sign the dotted line to God's covenant, When we enter into a covenant with Him, we sign our rights away, folks. We don't have any rights. We have the right to obey. We have the right to serve Him, to submit to Him. And that can scare you unless you realize that He is trustworthy. We can trust Him with that. And we can. His character tells us We can trust Him with that. When I say that I'm signing all my rights away to the Lord Jesus Christ, He tells me what I can do and what I can't do, period. I don't care if Brother DeMuth can do this, that, and the other, and he tells me I can't. I ought not care about that. Because I'm all I'm concerned about is obeying Jesus. And Brother DeMuth is going to obey Jesus. And we're both going to move forward in Him together. There's a reason why I can't do A, B, and C. I gotta trust him with that. I shouldn't care about what I can and can't do. I shouldn't be focused on me. I need to focus on Jesus. When I sanctified myself, when I consecrated myself in service to him, I told him I was gonna leave off of those things. I'm gonna stop focusing on my life, my situation my bank account, my success. And I'm going to focus on God's kingdom, advancing His kingdom, advancing His purposes in this world. That's my focus now. That should be all of our focuses. And when that is our focus, we don't have to worry about obedience. We don't have to worry about what brother so-and-so can do and what she can't do and what I can and can't do. Here's what I can do I can serve Jesus Christ with my life. I can obey every command He gives me. And I trust that when I do, He's going to do something miraculous, something awesome in that situation. And I get to see that too. 
I get to be used of God in that capacity. And you get to be used of God in that capacity. That's what we get to do. Nothing else matters. Nothing else should matter. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus, for your manifest presence in this place today. I pray, Lord, that as we continue with your service, that you would continue to minister, bless, save, sanctify, restore, provide, meet every need here today, I pray. Minister to those needs. Let your name be glorified. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll be back at a quarter till.